Come on, Jake. It's only your life. Are you trying to say Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? She, she doesn't have one. She we told her to have her movie <laughs> quote ready. For those of you who don't know, that's from uh, Major League. That is Cliff and I's uh, favorite movie. One of them, definitely, yeah. uh, for sure. Top five. Uh, and uh, this is the Brackish Podcast. Thanks for being with us today. We are your host, Cliff is here with me. I am Knock, and we've got a special guest here today, Lynn, and she is at Instagram, Roots and Bulbs, amazing Hello. chef, amazing chef. She's going to tell us a story about something we have no idea about, and we are, we are going to comment on it. No idea. This is fun. This is the first time Knock or Cliff is not telling a story, so this should be very interesting. Well, what I didn't tell you guys is there's already a clue on the table as to who I'm talking about today. I brought you guys some banana muffins. Banana today, muffins. today, we are going to talk about Sam Zamuri, the banana king of New Orleans. Sam Zamuri? Yeah. How do you even spell that? Is that a... Z-E-M-U-R-R-A-Y. <laughs> Zamuri? Zamuri. Are you drunk? Not yet. <laughs> Maybe by the end of the episode. Uh, Zamuri. <laughs> and he is the Banana King? He was. He called himself the Banana King. He was also known as whoa, the whoa, Gringo whoa. who rides the donkey. Were we talking about self Was he talking about actual bananas or like his banana king? Wink, wink. Yeah, his... <laughs> <laughs> no, he was the Banana King. And what was his other name? Uh, those in Honduras who knew him called him the Gringo on the donkey. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So he also had a donkey with <laughs> Or that crazy Russian who sells the ripes. The Ripes. That's a lot of nicknames. That was his other nickname. That's one of many nicknames. I don't have any nicknames. It's not fair. Flip. This guy has three. Flip is your nickname? <laughs> no, it's an alias. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> All right, well. All right. Without further ado, let's get it on. Okay, so what most people talk about now when they talk about Zamzamari comes from a book called The Fish Who Ate the Whale by Rich Cohen. And that is alluding to the fact that Sam Zamuri ran a little bitty banana company that eventually took over the United Fruit Company, which ran most of the bananas in the country for most of banana-ing. Yeah. I'm glad you're talking about this because I've heard some stories about bananas recently. Not good. Not good for bananas. We might not even have bananas in like 10 years from now. Oh, it's true. And it's partly Sam's fault. Are people licking them in grocery stores? No, <laughs> no, they're not. They can't lick a banana and put it back together. No, <laughs> no they're cloning them. <laughs> So yeah, they're cloning them. There's a fungus that is wiping out bananas mm -hmm. and uh, other strands of bananas. Well, I'll let I'll let Link get to it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the story of Sam Zamuri actually starts in Russia. He uh, came to the United States at the age of 14 in 1891, and poor baby landed in Alabama. I know, I know. So he had family who lived there. He actually lived with his uncle and aunt who ran a little corner store. And at the age of 14, he was ready to get to work. He came from a farm lifestyle in Russia. He was not one to just kind of sit around. So he immediately started working at his uncle's shop. The thing about Sam is that he was really restless. He was really uh, curious and he always asked a lot of questions, which not everyone liked of a Russian immigrant in the 1890s, but he was very, very smart about it. He would do things like talk to the vendors about price points and what they're paying and taxes. Well, and yeah, like that. we don't like that kind of stuff around here. We, you know, 
You selling some bananas? How much for a bunch? Yeah, that's it. Right? Like, what? You want to try to ask me questions about my sale points? Get out of here. Why do they come in a pack of six? I want three. <laughs> a pack? Yeah, bananas always in a pack you of six. You shouldn't buy your bananas in I a pack. Mean, yeah, I think so. Don't you feel kind of weird when you do get to the grocery store and you're like, oh, that bunch looks really good, but there's like there's two, like, yeah. two too many. And you feel weird like breaking off two. But you know you always see some that are three and you're like, who's the, who's the dick? Who took the other three off of this thing? <laughs> and that was you. You were the dick. Yeah, yeah. Guy was. Yeah. Someone who didn't know you could put them in the freezer. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. So the thing about Sam is that he was a really big kid for his age. I thought they shrunk in the freezer when they got cold. Oh, look, that's okay. not everyone. Okay, okay. Bananas are different for everybody. They all react differently. <laughs> he was a big kid. So a lot of people just naturally treated him like an older person because at a certain, at like 15, 16 years old, he was almost six foot three. So big Damn. kid. Right, right. Um, so he would constantly scheme. If he wasn't talking to vendors about price points and things, he was talking about cus to customers about different opportunities that he could come up with or things that he could do odd job-wise. And his whole goal was to gain as many skills as he could because he wanted to get out of Selma eventually and make really big money. I, I've heard, I've met some people from Selma and they always wanted to get the fuck out <laughs> of Selma. You know, it's not a place you stick around at. You either crossing bridges to get the hell out or crossing bridges to make a statement, really, in Selma. I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone from Selma. Exactly. No. Because they fucking left. <laughs> and they don't claim it. <laughs> they don't claim it. So uh, the thing about Sam being called the Banana King, ironically, he did not see a banana in person until he got to the United States. Bananas for a very, very long time were considered a luxury crop because they spoil so quickly. So they were still being shown as like a, a tropical oddity in the world's fair in the 1890s by the time Sam got to Alabama. Uh, when he turned 18, he moved to Mobile and immediately stepped foot on the banana docks, doing just the most ridiculous, disgusting, dangerous labor, loading bananas off of these boats and things like that. One thing that he saw that really made him irate is that banana boats were dumping off anywhere between a quarter and half of the bananas they'd shipped in from Central America as soon as they rolled up to the port. You may have heard the old adage, one bad banana spoils the bunch. If one banana on a bunch or a hand has a spot on it, pre-refrigeration days, by the time it got from Central America to New Orleans, that one banana would ripen up the whole bunch. And then by the time you got into Mississippi, everything would be rotten. So they were just dumping off these perfectly good bananas into the water. So like the, the bananas that got a little, like some, some black to them and you know Anything. they're sweeter. Well, yeah, cause they ripen, but that's yeah. the thing. So let's okay. talk about bananas for a minute. Yeah. What are bananas? Uh, are the fruit? They are. Okay. They're actually a berry. I like, I want to know how uh -huh. long they last. So a banana plant, we'll call it, it's not a tree, it's actually a grass, it's an herb that grows. And as it grows, the leaves kind of fuse together and then the old ones peel off. It takes about nine months for a banana plant to yield a hand or a bunch of bananas. Mm -hmm. And that is the only time it will ever yield. It's a year round crop, so they're really profitable. But once that plant is done, it is done. Oh, wow. What they used to do is just dig up the whole plant, put that whole thing onto a boat, and then ship it into the U.S. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I went to St. Lucia. They had a bunch of banana farms. And we talked to the guy about that. And they, yeah. like, I don't know, but the, that's a big export for them. And the United States takes a lot of that. So that's cool. 
Could you imagine, though, being at the World Fair when you're first, like, discovering bananas? Did you imagine the line at the banana tent? You gotta try this fucking thing. It's amazing. <laughs> they were actually marketed as the most sterile fruit. Or the most sanitary, the most sanitary fruit you could buy because of the peel. It would also be sterile. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not going there, man. I can't go. I can't. They said it was sterile. Like, no, sanitary. <laughs> because it's like an orange, right? It's good to go. It's good to go. Yeah. Okay. GTG. Sweet. Yeah. So anyway, Sam saw all this waste and coming from a really rural background, he was um, also Jewish and Eastern European Jews were in general looked down upon. So he always had to kind of scrap for his living and watching this kind of waste really made his stomach turn. So he decided that he was gonna hustle it instead of just watch this waste and break his back unloading these bananas off the boats. So he showed up bright and early one morning with the money he had and bought some of these ripes, is what they would call bananas that had any yellow or any spots on them at all. Just they were throwaways. The, the throwaways, the garbage, absolute garbage. Um, he bought them from the importers at little to nothing, turned around and started to peddle them and gained some profit that way. And he would hustle so well that he eventually figured out this system of getting there first thing in the morning, buying as many bananas as he possibly could, and then getting on the train from Mobile to Selma, thinking I can just sell all of this once I get to Selma. The problem with bananas is that they go ripe so quickly, even on the train from uh, Mobile to yeah. Selma, they were going back. You've got so many stops along the way. That's but, what I was going to say is how, f I don't know where Selma is in regards to like, I would assume it came in through Mobile Bay. Mm -hmm. And then it had to travel that far. In 1890, I can't imagine how quick it got there. With a lot of stops along the right, way. Right, yeah. yeah. Just imagine the butt crust of Alabama. That's where <laughs> Selma's at. Oh. <laughs> this is a, a Louisiana podcast, so we can shit on Alabama all we want. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you get north. Yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I do know about bananas, though, is that uh, it only takes... One banana peel to really fuck up your day in Mario Kart. That's oh. Yeah. I wonder if that's how they figured. They just said that's how Mario Kart used it. Those, the Japanese were like, we can use these dirty old nasty bananas <laughs> and really screw up everyone else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they were taking the Sam's leftovers. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Roots. Get back to it. <laughs> so that first train ride didn't go so well for him because the bananas went bad and they actually started to rot and stink up the whole train. So he was running the risk of losing his whole operation. <laughs> what he did though on his next trip around is he got on that telegraph line and had vendors set up at each stop along the train route. Oh, cool. So he wasn't bringing cargo to Selma. He was unloading bananas at every single stop to vendors. On his way to Mobile. On his, from Mobile up north to Selma. Oh, from Mobile. Okay, right. okay. Wow, cool. And the reason other uh, banana companies like United Fruit or Standard Company didn't pursue this is because they were already paying premium dollar for fruit that really has very low profit margin. Where bananas are grown are Central America. At that time, it was mostly communistic. It was run by a lot of militia as well. So no matter where you were, you were paying for it. You were paying for the favor of being in this country. You are paying for uh, the use of the train or the railroads that you probably had to build yourselves and things like that. So not only were they kind of held under this communistic rule, 
you're throwing a quarter of your crop away. And then once you got to where you needed to be, you were usually unloading more then. So they just didn't have time for this. But Sam really stumbled upon this, this uh, kind of market that hadn't been tapped into yet. They definitely had the wherewithal, yeah. Absolutely. And he said something to the effect of, um, there's never a better sales pitch than a man that has to sell a banana in six hours. <laughs> and that was his attitude. That's what you call a Saturday night in Tigerland. <laughs> man, I got six hours to sell his banana. <laughs> Who's ready? How's my breath smell? <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, it has to be a wonderful pitch, for sure. Yeah. So he went, um, this this business really, really boomed because no one else was doing this at all. And word really started to spread about this, quote, crazy Russian buying the rights. At a certain point, the CEO of the United Fruit Company that was the leader in the banana industry actually made a special trip down to Mobile just to shake this kid's hand. And there's no minutes or record of this meeting, but it's really known in this industry as a pretty iconic meeting. And it kind of is, uh, going back to that book title, The Fish That Ate the Whale, it was literally the minute that the fish shook hands with the whale. Or it was just kind of like, I heard about your business dealings, that's awesome. They parted ways from there. He was so nice about it, though. That's very cool that the, the CEO was like, hey, thanks for you know picking up my trash and selling it. It was, <laughs> not, you know, the CEO could have been like, hey... I want to cut you just picking up the stuff that I left behind, right? But he didn't. Well, that was actually business practice for a lot of people in the fruit industry where you would subsidize your competition because you could double up on railroad use at that point. And if you are doing better as a small business, as a big business, I can kind of piggyback here and there and everywhere off of it. Oh, so you're on the railroad. Yeah, things oh, like the, that. Okay, okay. Building a lot of relationships too. You wanted strong relationships with the governments. And if my little company is already in there, it's easier for a big company to just sneak in and say, well, but but these are our friends. Right. We need to be here too. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, there's a, uh, go read about Rockefeller, big oil guy. And then he bought the railroads like he basically mm -hmm. owned the people, not the railroad itself, but the cars and everything and the train. Yeah. And he basically had a monopoly over everything. So yeah. big old company. This is all in that same kind of era too, of these huge industry professionals really creating these monopolies. And there was a lot of government interference kind of regulating oh, that. All the time. <laughs> Every time. Cliff loves a little government interference. Yeah. Or do you hate it? No, I, I love hearing about it. Because I, I, I don't, I don't say I wouldn't say I love corruption, but I love hearing about corruption. It makes me smile. Do you want to make that change? Like you should be in politics. No, no. That was yeah. I'm asking to as change. As so anyway, Sam was really, really successful at this. Um, in 1898, he was selling 20,000 bananas from the train. And within three years, he jumped up to 574,000 bananas a half year. Half a million? Over half a million. Wow. Just in a five-year jump. You no. know, we're having trouble getting rid of one. <laughs> and he's getting half a mil. By the end of this same That's kind of decade of sales, he was actually selling more than a million bananas a year. And this is still all just going direct from. So we're now the in the 1900s? Import, early 1900s. Early let's 1900s. say 19, like 1899 or so. Okay, okay. He went from just selling bananas himself to the railroads with the vendors 
eventually a million bananas. And the reason it was so successful for Sam is because he had no overhead. All he was doing was picking up almost free product and handing it off. He didn't have to do any of the um, any of the growing, any of the relationship making, any of the bargaining. He just picked it up and sold it and took a bath in money. By the time he was 21, he was able to pay for six of his family members to immigrate from Russia to the United States. So boy was balling. Yeah, he yeah. really did take someone's trash and make it his treasure. Oh, completely. Actually, he was the, uh, the first instance of an American picker. Hey, what, <laughs> what were you doing at 21? <laughs> Not picking up bananas. Going out, yeah! He actually, at 21, he had the equivalent of a million dollars in the bank, just sitting on it, all from selling trash bananas. And you call them, they're ripes, right? They're but called we ripes. buy those at the grocery store now. We, we buy ripes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he was selling what we buy now. Right, it, but, the problem but was. But then, people mm -hmm. didn't want anything on them. I guess the, the... No, as far as the fruit companies, they couldn't hold on to anything that was almost ripe because there was still such a far way to transport oh, them. okay. By the time the consumer purchased, they were ripe. But that okay. was the challenge. Like, can you get it from Honduras to the consum consumer in that little bitty window? So 21 years old, million dollars in the bank. Million dollars. Just got six people from Russia. Yep, yep. I don't know. So the next thing he had to do was kind of start amassing his empire. One thing he noticed was that big companies like the United Fruit Company, they're actually called the octopus. And I wish I could speak Spanish because it sounds so much more badass in Spanish. But it was the people of Central America that would refer to United Fruit and Standard as the octopus because they Can had their try? tentacles in everything. Can you try? No. Please, come on. No. You got to try, please. How do you say octopus I don't in know. Spanish? I don't know. Cliff, how do you speak? You've been. I speak uh, un petit you speak Spanish yes. a little bit, un poquito. Uh, ocho pus. <laughs> that sounds good. That really sounds good. I think they made a. Uh, Fact check me. <laughs> I'll be back in the next episode. Yes, to do that. yes, yes. <laughs> But Sam, at a certain extent, tried to emulate this. What he started to do once he got, um, I'm going to say comfortable, but honestly, this man was never comfortable a day in his life. Of all of the character traits he's known for, his hustle is the biggest thing because he never sat in an office. He never required a full-time secretary. That's how transient and hustle and bustle he was. He uh, would do most of his business dealings in his head and just kind of trust in his higher-ups to do what he hired them to do. But around the time he got around the $100,000 mark, he decided that he wanted to start cutting out even more of the middleman. So he wouldn't, uh, he would rather go and buy shipping companies. So now he had his own boats. He would go down to Honduras where he was interested and make friends with the independent farmers and say hello to this leader and that influential person, but still not stepping on any toes, still making a ton of money in New Orleans. Out. So he said, get on the boat, my banana boat. <laughs> get on the banana boat. So he's in New Orleans now? Uh, so he ended up in New Orleans a little bit later on. Okay, he's okay. still working out of Mobile and really Selma. Poor thing mm -hmm. at yeah. this point, going from Selma to Honduras, six months one place, six months another. Oh, wow. Right. Very single, ladies' man. The other thing that Sam did that the United Fruit Company didn't do is he was able to put his pride to the side very, very often. 
He didn't sit on his laurels and say, I know all there is to know about business. He completely understood that if you were gonna run something the right way, you needed to know how it should be run from the plantation to the dock on up. So he constantly surrounded himself by two types of individuals. One was just the everyday worker. And he was able to gain a lot of knowledge in how this business should run that way. What does the sky look like today? What does that tell me about the rain coming? How does that affect my crop and when I should ship? You only learn that from the farmers and the people who work in the docks. He also chose to surround himself by washed up old banana men who had failed in business already because he wanted to learn from their model what not to do. And he would listen to their just listen to them ramble and ramble and get, gain the good stuff, but then go, oh, I don't wanna put my trust in that. I don't wanna run my business this way. And was able to fine tune all of his business skills, not by going to business school, but by learning from the failure of other businessmen in his field. So, so we should have done that with podcasts is what she's, we should have listened to shit podcasts. My fourth grader school then, is, is having a podcasting class if y'all wanna go to that. Wait, I thought that we did learn from shitty podcasts. We did learn. They're shit. That's what we learned. The other ones are shit. You got to listen to us. The brackish. For no, sure. you guys get to the story within five minutes. That's all I ask of a oh, podcast. Not according to Miss Salty for one of our podcasts. This Apple uh, reviewer. Uh, it was. It might have been Lynn. It might have been Lynn. <laughs> Yeah. I'm trolling you guys. We that way my episode looks best, right? I'm salty. It pisses me off. You know what? Forget about it. We won't do any backgrounds anymore. Just jump right in. Okay, okay. All right, so <laughs> Sam at this time. So this boy has been grinding since his foot hit the United States. Came at 14. At 21, he's a millionaire. And he's just kicking, going, going. And all of a sudden, sudden skirt, 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 stop. He got himself a business partner. Awesome. Helps him run all of his other businesses he's acquired. Awesome. But what comes in in the mix? A lady he can't say no to. When you're with me, I'm smiling. This lady just Octopus. happens to. Oh. <laughs> Ocho Puss. Sorry. What, uh, yeah. what year? Do we know what year? I'm just, I'm just curious. Uh, somewhere around 1910, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So I believe it's somewhere like between 1809, 1912. So I'm going to, you know, say. No, I, see, to me, like, we just did something on uh, Marcello. Mm. So I'm thinking of like, you got a guy, he's got a boat, you got to get to the docks, mm -hmm. sort of, yeah, you know. But he's got a lady, yeah. but he's oh, a big businessman. I'm thinking yeah. like, he's got ties. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying he, he's a boss. Right. But he, you know, not in he may not be that lifestyle, but it sounds sort of the same sort of situation as he's he's running things. And well, he's got like a lot of ladies. This lady knew what she was getting into because she was the daughter of his business partner. Oh, 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 indeed. Oh, that is forbidden banana. <laughs> well, I think it, it's more along the lines of um, keep it all in the family. Oh, OK. Not where you treat branches cross, but where you're. Um, your money clips cross. The, it would Keep it always all in the family. Stay in the family. Yeah. Like even yeah, after yeah. they were gone, it would always stay yeah. in the family. Wow. So they get married, and within, I think, two years, they have a baby girl. And this does not dampen 
Sam's resolve, if anything, he's more resolved to make even more money because now he's got a wife and a daughter that depends on him. And they have a son just a few years after that. So instead of just owning businesses that help him sell the ripes, because he's still just selling ripe bananas. He's not growing his own through um, almost 15 years. He decides after his baby girl is born that he is going to go to Honduras to gain land to grow his own bananas. Boom. Thing about Honduras in 1910. That's my Wild West music. Oh, okay. It is the Wild <laughs> freaking West. Oh, I'm, yeah, I mean, oh, my God. No, so there's no American extradition in Central America at this point in time. So Honduras is just fucking bananas. So and the, bananas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh! oh. But don't get fucked <laughs> there's, there's cowboys. There's people who rob banks and just left the country with hundreds of thousands of dollars hanging out. There's booze and gold in the streets. There's shootouts everywhere. People are riding around on donkeys and horses. Teddy Roosevelt was rumored to go people hunting down there every now with and then. With his rough riders? With his rough riders, yeah. Oh. So, right. So this place is like, wow. you, you wow. need wow. to wow. know wow. yourself. Wow. So you don't get lost. In all That's this. my Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> if I could whistle, my Wild West noise would have been better. No, I thought you Wild West. Will Smith, you know, dancing. Oh, go to the Wild, Wild West. Could <laughs> <laughs> you imagine like real Will Smith like showing up in his like fancy suit and that cowboy hat to Honduras? Be like <laughs> some Gucci shoes, singing on that um, Stevie Wonder song. <laughs> People looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> so. Sam shows up to Honduras ready to buy land. He, uh, he at first goes to this plot of land. He gets um, about 5,000 acres for $2,000. Now, here's something that I can't explain. Whoa, that's a 5,000 acres for $2,000. It, it's a steal. Ass. Yeah, oh, yeah. But the thing I can't understand is that he borrowed this money. He oh, had, that's weird. He had money in the bank. He borrowed it and thus begins Sam's trail of borrowing from gangsters in New Orleans. Uh, yeah. Somebody foreshadowed five minutes ago. <laughs> but and I think Lynn just foreshadowed too. Uh, yeah. With a banana? With a banana. One, re- one reason he may have borrowed it is because he really did tax out all of his money ties in the States through the purchase of other companies. So it seems like a trivial amount I, to indebt yourself I, to I some shady say, characters, but. Yeah, I was gonna say that private schools are so expensive in New Orleans, he probably spent all his money there. Oh my God. He's worried about his baby girl. Yeah. Pay in tuition in bananas. I'm sending it to Ursuline. <laughs> hey look, I don't have two, I don't have 10 grand, but I got 10,000 bananas. <laughs> what do you Can wanna trade me for? So this is actually when he made the step to move to New Orleans, whenever he decided he wanted to uh, really own land in Honduras. And he actually left Honduras with some really strong relationships with not only the government officials, but with the militia in charge at the time. So he had his 5,000 acres. He comes so back he to New Orleans. So he got close with the army, is what you're telling me. Like the guys with guns. They are one of the armies that okay. may or may not answer to the government in charge. Guerrilla warfare, dude. Okay, okay. I mean, I'm saying, I'm not guessing. saying. He knows who to talk to. He does, okay. he does. Right. Uh, so this is when he moved to New Orleans, and this is when he really started to get involved in a lot more business dealings with gangsters. And we're talking about 19 what now? Still the 19-teens. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes back thinking, I don't know if 5,000 acres is going to be enough. I can grow a lot of bananas. I think I can do more. 
And typical Sam, he looked through the trash to find the treasure. He decided when he went back to Honduras, he was gonna start at the land he purchased and then ride the fucking donkey all over the country until he found land that no one wanted. He went to the north of a river, past the river where people told him, you probably shouldn't go there. It's diseased and swampy. And he's like, challenge accepted. I'll go do that. Pushed past it, realized no one wanted this swamp and was able to have that land for almost free. Because as a farmer, he knew that if you drain that swampy land underneath is the most valuable, nutritious dirt. In the, it is still known today as the best banana growing land in the world. In Honduras. In Honduras. Oh, wow. Completely saturated. He got it. Saturated. <laughs> With nitrogen, right? Yeah, that's why it's oh. all good. It's nitrogen. Yeah, I guess. So throughout this entire process, while he's riding a donkey through Honduras, looking at land and things like that. The thing that the people of Honduras notice most about him is his really strong work ethic. Whenever the bushes would rustle and they didn't know who was on the other side, it was always this crazy gringo with a machete leading his group through first. He was always at the head of the line. He really believed that physical labor was the purest form of religion and that if you were not physically active, you were just corrupt and rotten inside and out. Wait, so Cliff, you were corrupt and yeah. rotten. Wait, the, wait, so the machete was for work, not for like intimidation? Not for maybe. I'm know. just asking. Oh, mostly for work. Yeah, yeah. okay. I'm just, yeah. I didn't know if he was just, because I, no, was, he I would, was thinking, I'm like, mm -mm. carry a gun. I mean, what do you, you no, want to No, he would physically go out and clear the land with everyone. Yeah, he would sense. harvest. He would do all of this stuff in really dangerous, hazardous environments. And that's what set him apart so much from his competitors. And he ended up uh, really developing this kind of aura and reputation about himself, that he is going to outwork you. Nice. He just also happened to be smarter than most people, too. So he could outsmart you and outwork you. And this is where we're going to pause for a commercial break. This commercial break is brought to you by Drew Brees' Thumb. New Orleans Saints fans united in shock when St. Louis Ram Aaron Darnold sent their QB1 and their season into a free fall recently. All right, now doctors, they placed Drew Brees in a medically induced coma, a.k.a. surgery, to repair torn ligaments in his thumb. And during this time, Houdats couldn't look away, mainly because they weren't really allowed to. Cell phone alerts updated every damn step of the way. ESPN, Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, you name it. Local news. Local news for sure. They, it was been played more than the attorney commercial. They pressure washed his number on the Superdome like he had died. Yes, I thought I was going to go to a cemetery that day. All right, Drew Brees' wife by his side before surgery. That was one alert. Drew Brees is now in surgery, another alert. And who could forget, doctors say Brees' surgery went as planned, as if it were life and death. Oh, his thumb. His thumb. But, you know, seriously, for those 15 minutes or so, the best quarterback to ever don the black and gold was taken away from New Orleans. All right, and Saints fans, they treat their team as part of their religion. Very true. And for more than a decade... My man Drew Brees has saved them every Sunday. Amen. This commercial break is brought to you by Drew Brees' Thumb. Back to the podcast. If we're going to call part one hustle and flow, I would call part two 
flip that shit. Flip that shit. Okay, that okay. Shit. So where we left off, Sam was hustling. He was making deals, building relationships. He gets to Honduras all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed for a 20-something-year-old Russian businessman, okay. ready to make some money. One thing that he ran into almost immediately was pushback from the Honduran government. No matter what the relationship was, they started to clamp down on him. So things like using the railway would cost you a lot of money. At one point, they were charging him a cent per pound to transport his bananas from the farms to the coast. And, and like a bunch of bananas can weigh pounds? like, you know, 16 pounds or something like that, right? Like a bunch of bananas. Like it's a, only 16 cents. Well, you know, it's going to add up yeah, if you've got a boat full. <laughs> how much are you well, yeah, making? that's what I was asking. How much is he trekking? You know, oh, like how many pounds? Shit. Oh, I don't know math. Yeah, he's talking about, yeah, he's probably got a, he's got boats full of bananas. Yeah. So he's talking tons, hundreds of tons of bananas. He was selling a That's million bananas a few years ago. So. <laughs> all you had to say was tons of bananas. I don't know. I'm not going to fact check you. I was just asking the question. Okay. Good. So yeah, now he's going to have to pay. He's been he's been living free. I mean, not living free. Just let's say starting with a warm, fuzzy feeling and feeling less warm and fuzzy as he moves from the heart of Honduras to the coast to go back to New Orleans. He incurs a lot of taxes he didn't plan for. He was petitioning to have his bananas shipped out duty-free since he was paying so much in taxes just to use the railroads and things. The militia wasn't very fond of him. Um, a lot of people weren't fond of him because he paid so well. And I'm gonna say paid well, I don't mean really paid well, just paid well as compared to the other companies. So he I mean, he paid his employees well as well. Better than most. To the point that things like the Panama Canal were almost put on hold because so many people left that job to go work for Sam Zamuri because he paid so well. So there were a lot of important business people also upset with him. People like JP Morgan actually owned a lot of debt Honduras had. Honduras borrowed a lot of money from the British Empire to help build up one of their um, governments and it crashed, so they couldn't pay back the British Empire. And rather than have the British Empire invade them like they had threatened to do for something like 40 years, some American businessmen took that debt from the British Empire and said to Honduras, they're there, now no one will bother you. Now it's just us that will bother you. Yeah, no, that's pretty smart. Right. So, uh, an entire country, you're owning an entire country. Pretty much. JP. <laughs> so Sam leaves Honduras, comes back to New Orleans, when he is slapped in the face with a summons to DC, the Secretary of Snake, Snake, yes. The, the Secretary of State. He might probably Or is. State. Like, God, I just got off a freaking boat. Can you give me a couple months? I'm, I'm tired of this crap. This is right after he's paying all those taxes, right? Right, uh, right. So I may be pronouncing this man's name incorrectly. It's Philander. Something like that. Philander. Philander Knox. So the Secretary of State summons him to D.C. He's got to get on a train, go to D.C. after he's been on a boat from Honduras, where he's met with this, hey, get your shit out of my shit. It's pretty much what he's been told. It's a very long meeting which in which the Secretary of State basically tells Sam Zamuri, America's got shit to do in Honduras, and I don't want you involved in it. You need to let us handle all American affairs. One of the things that was said in the meeting was, um, I better not hear you've got yourself mixed up in the politics of Honduras. And he was kind of sent out of the room at that point. And supposedly what Sam said to him is, 
Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. You won't hear of me being involved in Honduras. You're going to see me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, Secretary Knox does not trust that Sam Zamuri is going to stay out of Honduras. So he puts together a special Secret Service task force to trail Sam Zamuri and make sure that he and his associates do not leave New Orleans. What is the first thing Sam Zamuri does? He leaves New Orleans. He fucking leaves New Orleans. Well, yeah. Boom. Politicians. <laughs> Secretary of Snakes, take that. <laughs> yeah. So he gets back to New Orleans. He meets with some more associates, gains some more capital from these associates, heads to Honduras on a boat purchased with said money and maybe a few people to rough some shit up down there and sneaks out of New Orleans in the middle of the night with the Secret Service agent on the boat. At one point, they make Doc tell the Secret Service agent, this is where you get off. He does, and they head to Honduras. Oh, so this wasn't undercover. This was, like, he knew the guy was Secret Service. He was kind of supposed to be incognito, but they knew. Probably and, like, hey, right. give and me a little cut here, boy. I mean, I'm what's a, the I'm guy going to do? The banana king is staring at you saying, all right, boy, this is where you get off. And they just Look, leave him at the port. Snakes ain't got nothing. He don't, he don't need to know nothing about this. <laughs> I mean, really, Sam is livid. He was just told, mind your own business. And he's like, ha, ha. Fuck you. No. So he and his mercenaries go into Honduras and help to fund one of the militias run by a man named Bonilla. Bonilla has men. He's got forces. He just needs the capital to fund the overthrow of the Honduran government, which Sam does gladly with this gangster money he's rolling in with. Uh, Bonilla was successful installed himself as leader. And one of the very first things he did was list for Sam um, some concessions. Example, he gets concessions for 25 years. Everything coming into the country is now duty-free for Sam. He is also allowed to freely build any road, railroad, or bridge that he desires. He was given $500,000 to cover the cost of funding the militia itself. And In the overthrow. Early 1900s, which yeah. is a lot of money. It's a today. lot of money. Yeah. Um, he was also uh, given 24,000 acres carte blanche. You can pick it out whenever you feel like it, buddy. It's yours. How many acres is Honduras? Good Lord. He already has five, right? So he's going to Plus whatever he cleared out Jeez. in the swamps. Yeah. So he's been successful in funding the overthrow of the government. He, over, yep, he funded the overthrow of the Honduran government through this military general named Bonilla. Uh, and Bonilla, like, hooked him up, for sure. Oh, my God, yeah. Bonilla knew how to treat your friends, especially if your friends were, uh, were the ones that got you in power. One uh, phrase I've seen come up a lot in my research is, like recognizes like. Oh. And that tended to be what Sam surrounded himself with, both the successful and the unsuccessful Hustlers, and that's how he was kind of able and to Bonilla was one of those. his hustle. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So now, Sam has a reputation at this point that is international. Not only do people know him in the U.S., not only is the U.S. government aware that he's doing things they told him not to do. Example, the U.S. government told him not to build a bridge in Honduras. He built a bridge and called it something else and said, I didn't build a bridge. I built an XYZ. 
Oh, he just made up a name? I he just built, made up a new name for it. I, I built the flappy thing. Surprise, that's redacted, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, outside of his business dealings, he developed a reputation for himself personally. He was known to go on fasts for some like, something like 20 days at a time. He would get up before sunrise to eat only raw fruit and bananas and then stand on his head under a tree before he would go out into the fields because he argued that it would aid in his digestion. He did this whether money was coming in, whether government officials were coming in, whether it was a regular work day. He would, he would stand on his head? Sam, he, he argued it, the, that it helped with digestion to stand on your head after you eat breakfast. Sounds like he was getting But high. you had to eat a whole bunch of fruit. He ate a whole bunch of fruit. Yeah, you had to eat fruit. You he couldn't was, just eat uh, just chicken no. and chicken and like no. biscuits. He was getting high on his own supply. <laughs> <laughs> he smoked the peels. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, does that work? <laughs> no, we don't know, but don't I try tried it. I making bacon from the peels and it was not good. <laughs> Someone yeah. who's listening, please try it and let us know. Yes. <laughs> Smoking the peels. Smoke your banana peels. <laughs> They probably got to dry first and let them out to dry. I would think so. Otherwise, it would just be skunky. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Might be on to something. Be fruity, but skunky. All right. I can see Knox wheels turning. Yeah. The Brackish Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> um, he was also known to do things like just eat one type of food for weeks in a row. His most famous one was figs for um, like six weeks. He ate nothing but figs. You were just like... You would be a fig factory, right? Yeah. Like you're you're actually getting putting out what is inside of a fig noodle. Yeah, he's pooping figs. <laughs> the guy's pooping figs. That's unreal. That's a good nickname. That's like Play-Doh poop. Has to be. <laughs> Just think about figs. Well, no, no. Think about animals that are vegetarians. Rabbits have little pellet poop, right? Yeah. He was pooping rabbit poop. Had to yeah, be. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so much rabbits. fiber. He's a human. He shouldn't be having rabbit poop. He's got a little. <laughs> That's what we're like. Somebody's probably, he's probably like all these damn rabbits around. Maybe like, that no, was it's part just of Sam. his confusion tactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam is just. Oh, Sam's he's going been to different, here. Like banana plantations and like whoever his competition is and poops all over their property. I can't get rid of these rabbits. They come in at night. Every time I wake up, there's a bunch of piles everywhere. Sam's over there, like, plotting in the corner. <laughs> Eating bananas and pigs. So it's at this point that the U.S. government has just had enough of this bullshit. They can't do anything legally yet. So what they do is put together a bunch of, a bunch of antitrust uh, law and things like that that are aimed to prevent monopolies, which United Fruit is at this point. Remember, what yes. was it? Octopussy? Yeah. Ocho. 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 That. So what they decide to do is tell United Fruit, you have to sell back all the shares of the smaller companies you've bought. You can't own everybody. You have to sell them back. United Fruit had owned 25% of Sam's company, which was pronounced Ka Kayumel. That's wrong. Hold up, let me look back at my notes. We'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. We'll let it slide. Nobody's fact-checking you. So I've listened we'll to so many caramel. people, uh -huh. and like they caramel. all pronounce it differently. So now it's all messed up in my How's head. How's it spelled? It is C-U-Y-A-M-A-L. Kuyamel. <laughs> so United Fruit Company has to sell back this 25%, uh, which gives Sam... 
full control of his own business for the first time in his life. He's got a lot of success. And um, I just lost my place. It's okay. okay. That's why we have edits. Edit time. It's because I didn't finish the sentence when I wrote it. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. Do a and then I'm ready. Yeah. All right. So now Sam owns his company 100%. We've actually moved up to 1925 at this point. He's very well established, still just in Honduras. He owns all of his own business and his major competitor, United Fruit, has taken a really big loss. They're also highly disorganized because they've just been a mishmash of other companies slapped together. So they've become very ineffective in their, their shipping standards and things like that. So Sam is really sitting gold. He's still surrounding himself by old people who know the trade. And because he's been the one to work from the bottom up anytime something comes up like famine or a worker strike or anything like that he's prepared and he handles it um he's actually debt free completely by 1925 Dang. he don't even nobody owns me mm -mm. now if you're going to put it into perspective uh in 1925 sam's company was selling eight million bunches of bananas a year. That's just bunches, not actual bananas. Right. So you're thinking, multiply uh, usually that. Usually a bunch has 175 six. or so. 175. Bananas. Six. Bunches. <laughs> bunches are six. <laughs> Which is so. So Sam is selling 8 million uh, bunches a year. United Fruit is selling 40 million bunches a year. Okay. He's make he's got 10,000 workers. They have 150,000. He's making 3 million a year. They're making 27 million a year. The difference between the two companies is quality versus quantity. United Fruit has bigger numbers, but their profit margins are shit. And Sam's are gold because he's worked on those relationships uh, with people like Bonilla. So whatever profit he's making, he gets to keep and he invests it right back into the company. He is very wealthy. He's very comfortable. He actually lives in the most expensive house in the city of New Orleans at this point, but he continually invests back into his business to the point that when, um, when the, the original founders of United Fruit Company start to die off and CEOs are put in place and everything, Sam Zamuri is constantly recommended as one of the best in the field to, uh, to like Take input. Take their place. Right, to input. The people in charge of United Fruit right now are old money trust fund babies. The money's always been there. The money's always going to be there. I have a degree in business. What can this Russian, they were still calling him that little Russian boy. Gringo on a donkey. Right. Jeez. Oh, that little, it's, it's that little fellow in Honduras. Oh. He'd be referred to as, he can't teach us anything Even about business. Even though he's business. whipping their ass. Like, whooping the, well, but they're looking at it, dollars. They're not looking at efficiency and actual profit. They're not breaking it down into fractions. They're oh, also, at, yeah. They're, they're not cross multiplying is what you tell me. No, 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 no. He's no. making a lot more than those dudes. <clears throat> right. Yeah. In the big picture. So he's constantly recommended to replace these C or these founders and, Every time he's invited to a meeting or anything like that, they just embarrass the shit out of him. He's got this thick Russian accent. He's really rough, rugged, always sunburned, always looking like he just rolled out the straight goddamn jungle. And so they discredit him a good bit. And um, why? Wait, why did he always look rugged? Why didn't he like get? Some he was working six months in Honduras, and then right. he was. No, but I know. But now, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, now he's got his own deal, you know? Like, I mean, he's going to put on a suit, but you carry yourself in a different way. Think about this era, too. Foot. This is like the 1920s and 30s when high society is as highfalutin right. and hoity-toity as it can but get. But if I was 6'3 in 1925, I'd be cracking some skulls. I mean, he could do that in Honduras. Yeah. Well, no, I'd do you it. You do that to J.P. Morgan and you get in trouble. Yeah, that's true. He's got his own, guys. So United Fruit is completely stagnant at this point. They're really struggling to start to turn a profit. And uh, this new CEO, his name is Vincent Cutter. He comes in. Yeah, they would just they would dismiss him and kind of give it, give this thing like, oh, I don't know if I understood what yeah. you were saying, that accent, that kind of thing, just trying to embarrass him. So he really doesn't try to... to um, One-up him, I guess. Or like tell like contribute. Right. He yeah. doesn't try to contribute yeah. when yeah. he's there. He's just fine, whatever, I'll do my own thing. Yeah. Uh, goes back to Honduras with the eye to again, fuck you guys, you're gonna embarrass me, I'ma do you one up. He goes back to Honduras with the idea that he's ready to expand outside of Honduras. And there is this piece of land that is just choice. It's rich, it's ready to go. There's a lot of workers there. The biggest problem is, one, United Fruit Company wants this land too. Two, both Honduras and Guatemala are both claiming parts of this land. It's right on the border and they're both saying that they own it. So United Fruit Company does what businesses do. They hire lawyers, they send investigators down there, they talk to, they do all of the paperwork. Sam has never done paperwork. He hates paperwork. He hates lobbyists. He hates editors. All of this stuff. No paper trail. No. Well, and that, you know, yeah, no paper trail. What he decides to do, which is the opposite of paper trail, is he goes to both governments and buys the land from both governments and says, boom, mine now, bitches. There's no uh, argument. There's no argument. Oh. I went to both of them and I paid them both. And on paper, it looks like Sam got the raw end of the deal. But between all the lawyers and the investigators and the physical time it was going to take for them to fight all of this, he ended up paying a lot less, got it done much faster, and turned a profit before the lawyers could have gotten anything done. And he's done. the one that actually owns it in the end. Exactly. Oh, and this is where I feel we could come to our second commercial break. See you in a bit. This commercial break brought to you by y'all nasty Saints fans. Gross. Recently, when the Saints played Tampa Bay in the Superdome, Saints fans were caught loving, touching, squeezing each other. It wasn't just Teddy Bridgewater showing off his arm in the Superdome, if you know what I mean. I stroke it. One social media post showed a couple getting a little handsy in the plaza section. Let's just say they didn't stay the night before in the Superdome, but the guy was pitching a tent. So you thought it was over the pants. You thought I, it was an over the pants handy. Yeah, I thought it was a massage. You thought it was a massage. I didn't think the D was out from the towel. Okay, well that just wasn't the only thing that was blasphemous at the Saints game Sunday. No, and to note, this will come back later, the guy was wearing an Alvin Kamara jersey. 
Oh, good to know. Also an Alvin Kamara fan. Yes. Uh, a, a lady wore an Alvin Kamara jersey as a dress. All right? But Teddy Bridgewater, he threw four touchdowns, and every touchdown she stood up and got crunk, and her dress then be, just became a shirt with her butt hanging out with no drawers, it looks like. It's on social media. Check it out if you like. It's pretty nasty. And you know what they say. You can't spell classy without that ass. That ass is in it for sure. And some people may call her Alvin Cabarrass. <laughs> you know what happened when she sat on the seat? What's that? The seat screamed, Alvin! <laughs> what if it was a dream? She thought it was a dream that she went to the Saints game without fans. Oh, my. And uh, if, you, if you look at the photo, her boyfriend is, or I assume whoever she's with is like, has his arms folded the other way. Like, good God. Oh, because he's embarrassed. Why? And that is y'all's brackish commercial break. Brought to you by y'all nasty ass Saints fans. Back to the podcast. Um, part three of Sam's and Murray's life. Chapter one, hustle and flow. Chapter two, flip that shit. Uh, is it trick that bitch? Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. Whoop that trick. Well, okay, what's three? That trick. Chapter three is say my name. Oh. Uh, <laughs> say my name, say my name. So when Sam bought that piece of land from both the Honduran and Guatemalan government. Or is, just it, is it Sam my name? Oh, well, let's imagine Uncle Sam throwing a goddamn shit fit over this. Sam versus Uncle Sam. Oh, my God. The American government has fucking lost their mind. Because they were like, don't do, do no dealings over there. And he just bought like primo oh, land, right? Right. It's typical government. The U.S. is losing money from this guy. Oh, mm. I mean, they're not... Not uh, losing money. Their friends are losing money, so yes. that counts. Yeah, they're right. they're seeing an opportunity of gaining more money and that they're not getting, and they want that right. money. So what the government decides to do is force, just like mommy and daddy, force these two fighting companies to hug it out. They force the United Fruit Company and Sam's company to merger. What they didn't anticipate is you're giving Sam a whole lot of power. They wanted United Fruit Company to wrangle Sam in, calm him down, maybe don't build a bridge when we told you not to and call it something right. else. You know, so this is like not that. a United is buying him. This is a merger, which means Sam would get a lot more than what he has now. He actually ended up with something close to $30 million worth in today's standards. Just he, by pissing people off. Just by pissing people off. He is the majority shareholder of this company that tried to squash him at I this gotta point. I got to start pissing people off. So the guy who shook his hand is now like calling dead. him. Oh, he's dead. Okay, he's dead. dead. But, you know, his sons and grandsons are calling him. Mm. Uh, they're equal. Right. Uh, the merger also forces Sam into retirement. Well, hell, if I got $30 million, yeah, I'm yeah. out. I'm out. I'm out. Well, that's not his character, though. He is a hustler. He doesn't Bro. want to. They force him to. They also force him to sign a non-compete where he cannot own or he cannot buy or start up another banana business. That's Blueberries. It. Here they come. <laughs> so, question is, when he's in retirement, what age is this? 
This like is like forty something. Mm-hmm. Yep, in his forties. Dang. Yeah. God, um, he's got the biggest house in New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest, nicest in Audubon. It's now where the uh, the president of Tulane live. lives. <laughs> it's where the president of Tulane University. Yikes! Yeah. The same house. Yeah. The same house. Whoa! That, that marble house. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That thing. That's Sam's emergency. Yeah. Does it surprise you that it's marble? No. No. So he's sitting really well money-wise, but United Fruit Company, not so well because it is riddled with these hoity-toity imbeciles that went to business school but never learned the business trade. United Fruit Stock Company in 1928 was valued at $45 million. Uh, less than five years later, 1932, it's valued at just $6 million because the company is so poorly managed. And Sam's gone. He wrote that. He, yeah, and he's gone. He's still an, uh, a controlling shareholder. So he's like a board member. He's a board yeah, member. Yeah. His value went from $30 million to $3 million in that four-year span. He's got to be pissed. He is so pissed. And, you know, always looking for kind of like the treasure in the trash kind of mindset. He actually went to the docks where all of the United Fruit Bananas were coming and going and got back to his roots. Instead of sitting in board meetings, trying to make these smart people listen to him, he just went back to the docks. He talked to the old people, he talked to the captains, he talked to the people who loaded stuff, found out things like the Boston Shipping Company, um, whose boats they were using, were instructing their captains to pull off the throttle. That meant it took longer for the boats to get there, but they were using less gas. So they saw the benefit of gaining money because we're not using as much gas, but how much crop or product are you losing because you're taking so much longer? It was a very short-sighted cut. So he fixed things like that. He went back to Boston where the majority stakeholders were and started to try to tell them all of this stuff, show them that you can't ship boats out half full in an effort to save gas that doesn't produce a profit and things like that. And they completely shut him down. He Why don't they listen? Like, this guy has made a million off of picking someone else's trash. Your trash. He picked mm -hmm. up your trash, made millions, and he's still not listening. His to business him. model looked very differently. I heard it uh, described as such founders versus CEOs. CEOs want to build a pyramid shaped business model to put themselves at the top. Founders want a flatline business model so they can see everything that's happening and have their hands in it really easily. Where a CEO just wants to sit up there and have all his underlings report to him. And so collect pyramid money. Scheme. So pyramid, they just I, want I to make a... It. Oh. I didn't say it. Trickle down effect, is as they call it. Uh, Reaganomics. So when Sam presented all of this to the board and they just shooed him away, he got live it again, and started to hold secret meetings with the other shareholders, telling them one-on-one -on -one what was going on with their money and why they were losing so much, and was able to gain what's called proxies, where when you go back to board meetings, if I have your proxy, that means your vote counts as my vote, or my vote counts as yours. So now I've got more hold in it, even though I don't own it. So you don't have to give me your ownership. So he went around doing secret meetings like that, gaining proxy from other uh, shareholders and went back to another meeting where he gave another presentation. And um, this man named Daniel Wing, president, CEO of United Fruit Company, lets him speak. Blase, blase. Blah, 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 blah. And then old Wing there says something to the effect of, um, unfortunately, Mr. Zamuri, I can't understand you because of his heavy accent. Wow. 
people in the room start laughing. Sam, you can see in his face, his nostrils are flaring, his fists are balled up, and he mutters something and runs out. And people assumed he either ran out in shame or anger or embarrassment, and that's the last we're gonna see of Sam Zamuri. Oh, no, 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 motherfuckers. You know what Sam does? He gets on a donkey. He, <laughs> he literally comes back in with a bag of proxies slams it down on the table and says, you're fired. Can you understand that, Mr. Chairman? You gentlemen have been fucking up this business long enough. I'm gonna straighten it out. Yeah, and he, he just, fired all of them Just right lost there. 27 of my million. Boom. Yes. Good Boom. for Sam. Good so for he Sam. cleans everything out and starts from square one. Um, the U.S. government is flipping the fuck out, by the way. He was, well, and that was the thing. They stipulated you can't start another business company. No one said you can't take over a banana company. Yeah. It's in the details. It's in the details. So it took him about six weeks from that day. He literally got on a train to get on a boat to get on a donkey all over again. <laughs> And over the course of six weeks, he did things like visited every farm. There were a lot of farmers who were in charge just because they didn't ruffle the feathers of the United Fruit Company, but they were highly inefficient. So he'd ax them out, put his people in. He did things like started to rotate, so move from the monocrop of banana to things like sugarcane or coconuts or things like that to make the land more nutritious, give you a better product. He cut out this pull the throttle, half a boat bullshit. You didn't leave until you were loaded up and you hauled ass to get to New Orleans where now almost 99% of the bananas in the US come through. Um, in the end, he ended up canceling stipends for the smaller banana companies that United Fruit was using to kind of control the market, took the market control back into his hand, controlled the price point, was able to gain a profit margin better that way. He uh, ended up firing one of four employees when it was all said and done. And it wasn't just a blanket fire. He would go through and look at you and decide, are you worth it? Are you efficient? Can I replace you? Or can I trust you to do what I asked you to do when I leave? The first instance of uh, like undercover boss. Yes. 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 That's what I thought the whole time I was reading this. <laughs> oh my God. All I could think was undercover boss, but like cowboy style, you know? Yeah, But at least he did that. He didn't like to look at the plantation, <laughs> but he didn't, you know, just fire people to fire people. No. He actually, you know, with a purpose. Are a you point. worth yep. me keeping on the payroll? His effect was immediate, like immediate. Within two weeks of Sam being announced as CEO, the stock of United Fruit increased from $13 to $26. Double. Within 60 days, he completely saved the entire company. Wait, so he, wait, so he's the head of United Fruit Company. He is now. Yep. He had all the proxies that he needed to be in full control, and he was able to save the company within 60 days by getting out of the office and on a donkey. I have a great question during our banter at the end for Sam. I'm ready. Or his relatives, if they're still alive. Oh, they are. So Sam Sam just literally took his big banana in New and Orleans waved and waved it Honduras. all across the Gulf of Mexico and Honduras and Guatemala and then some. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. He did end up retiring at 51 years old, where United Fruit was merged again with, I believe, Dole. Could be Chiquita. 
Somebody correct me in the comments. Yes. One, one of, of the, the big two. Ones. One of the big ones in the grocery. Yep. Don't correct her. It was dull. <laughs> <laughs> but he retired with, um, with two reputations in mind. As much as he did pay his employees well, and he did also donate a great bit to police, places like Tulane University. He donated a lot of money and Mayan artifacts and things like that. It's, it's a 50-50. He did bring banana plantations and hard labor, and he did clear land with militia and things like that. But he's also known as a philanthropist. Um, he had two children that he did not really bring up to live his lifestyle or to be connected with their Eastern Russian Jewish background. And ended up um, dying at 61 by jumping out of a window. Whoa, that's a hard twist. Yeah. Which, in, in New Orleans? In or? New Orleans. Whoa. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, this guy is responsible for the term Banana Republic, right? Mm -mm. No? Okay, so uh, Banana Republic comes from O. Henry, who did visit. Central America during the time of all of this going on. He turned Banana Republic. What about... He coined it. Oh, but I mean... But he's the guy for creating it, is he not? Yeah. Sam is the guy for yeah. creating it. Sam and then the people who founded United Fruit Company okay. created a Banana Republic. Gotcha. What about the sunscreen? Banana I don't think he was fond of sunscreen. I think he believed his bananas and figs would cure all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so he... So, in essence, he just let his banana out while he was sailing across the Gulf. Indeed. Why? Is there any idea of why he might have committed suicide at 61? I didn't Money see problems anything or like that. No I, one if, really, I, if I have to make my I, best guess, he was bored. Yeah. He tromped down to Honduras for six months out of the year to whack shit with a machete. I can't imagine him being happy retiring in a mansion, you know? Before we get into a, a dumb comment, and I'm going to say, uh, is he buried in New Orleans? I do not know that. Okay. We're about to find out. I did not know because we have a lot of uh, cemeteries around here, a lot of with a lot of prominent people, old school New Orleans. Uh, so he seems like old school to me that they'd have a mausoleum somewhere if he was indeed buried here, but. You did say from Selma, so he may be in Alabama. Oh. Or maybe went back to uh, Mother Russia. Also, uh, could you, uh, you said he had many nicknames. Uh, can we also call him the Tallyman? Tallyman Banana. Well, and think about how many things from New Orleans come from banana. You've got the uh, Louis Prima song, Yes, We Have No Bananas. Oh, yes. We no got it the banana. We no got it the banana today. We got bananas Foster from uh, New Orleans, which was actually invented to use up a glut of bananas um, in New Orleans that came from Sam's rival company, the Standard Fruit Company, one of which members may or may not have been related to the Brennan's family that invented Bananas Foster and then named it after Mr. Foster, the crime commissioner at the time. Oh. So bananas have a long history in New Orleans they and do. Sam is one very large chunk of the picture. Paint me yellow and call me a banana. So, my dumb question. Well, for Sam or any of his family members, as smart as he was, when he obtained the United Fruit Company, 
why did he not trademark UFC? <laughs> because now you have the ultimate fighting championship and UFC is everywhere. If Sam would have just copyrighted or trademarked UFC, the entire fan, his grandkid, great, what I mean, for generations would have been set. I definitely just burped into the mic. You're gonna have to edit that out. No, no we love burps. <laughs> we love burps. Uh, but let's see. Let's. We, we like to keep things real. We, this is the the point where we would like to thank our guest host, Lynn, from Crescent City Cooks. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to go see her, uh, she's there many days a week in New Orleans in the French Quarter telling stories about new orleans and teaching people how to cook and so if you want to see her you can see her on instagram at roots and bulbs but you can also see her at her 24 7 job really uh at crescent city cooks in the yeah. french quarter what's the address so they can 201 charter street and how could they find them on the uh, internet oh online crescentcitycooks.com so if you're coming to new orleans and you want to learn how to cook great new orleans dishes and cuisines Find Lynn at Crescent City Cooks. And I cook like your I, grandma. I will say from firsthand experience, Cliff and Mrs. Biff and my parents have attended that class and it was wonderful. And she brought us some banana muffins I here did. today. It was delicious. Those are delicious. Delicious. <laughs> what, uh, what did you find most interesting? Uh, we were asking this a little earlier, but what did you find most interesting about him? It was surprising. Uh, I found it very interesting that a businessman was able to fuck the American government so openly and still be allowed to roam freely. I thought that was very interesting. I also found it fascinatingly sad how many um, lives were lost just for the sake of bananas. Like to go through the jungle and clear a jungle out, you would lose. Either that or yeah. through actual full-on war, which are actually there's still wars fought today in Central America over things like banana land. What about, uh, we were talking about the banana fungus that's now uh, yeah. wiping out bananas. Yeah. And you were telling me before, bananas used to have seeds that you could plant, but now they're mm -hmm. sterile. So they bananas are. are sterile. They are. That was part, I mean, that was all part and parcel for it too, was managing how, um, how disease What's the word? I'm Spread? Looking. No. Resistant. Ah. How disease resistant bananas could be because you are in a jungle where there's so many things that could infect. True. The Cavendish banana that we all eat now is the most disease resistant. It's also considered the um, <laughs> the American hotel banana in all other places of the world because they are the garbage banana and only Americans expect it. Oh, so we need to start looking at our banana. Yeah. And maybe get some better ones. Every banana that you eat is a clone from the one banana plant that started it all. But now it might finish it all. Might finish it all because now there's a super disease that the plant's not resistant to. That's how it starts. They feed us clone bananas, then they try to clone us. Damn government. <laughs> but but our man Sam beat the government. He mixed it up a little bit. Sam mixed it up a lot. Just he, like the brackish. He beat it up. Thank you his banana. for listening to the Brackish Podcast <laughs> and mixing it up a little bit with us. We'll see you later.